Hello, and welcome to the Maximu Theater and Performance Podcast. Today, Jose, Nicole, and I talk about some theater performances that have moved online during the pandemic. Enjoy the show. We all, we all ready to have a fun time? Let's do it. This is great. It's nice to see your faces. Yeah, same. Like, it's only been like fictional characters and like uh, cartoons for me, basically. <laughs> Yeah, it's I've I've in rolling ways had like gotten to see like several different groups of friends, but like definitely not all of them. <laughs> and so it is nice to sort of like connect with human beings who I would see more often than I do. <laughs> um so welcome to Maximu. Um I'm Ben. I might have coronavirus, but we're all remote, so it's fine. Hi, I'm Nicole. I am a freelance critic and journalist. And I'm Jose, and I think I still remember how to write. And I think I still remember how to see live performance and stuff, so happy to be here. So today's episode, we have decided to talk about the things that are moving online from the live theater community um, in whatever state that is. So whether it's like live streaming shows, whether it's things that are being done like via posting, visual, you know, kind of anything we could think of. So um, that's, that's, that's what we're going to sort of cover today in sort of our preview episode way. <laughs> um, the first thing that I want to talk about today is called uh, Contagious Closet Dramas. Uh, I don't know if either of y'all have seen those yet. Cool. Uh, there, it's, it's our, we are seeing each other on video. <laughs> so we got some head, head wags. And shaky. <laughs> that works really well on radio, you know. <laughs> Yeah, Terry Gross is actually doing so much gesticulating all the time, and you've got to do the, you've got to pay extra for the video feed. Um, only the two thousand dollar a month donors get that. Um, so it's called Contagious Closet Dramas, and it is on is an Instagram based theater thing that's happening right now. Um, there's a company called Two Headed Rep, and what they usually do when uh, we are not sort of forced to not have live events is they will every mm, roughly six months do a double bill. Um, which is a classic play and a play inspired by the pl- classic play that has been written for that double bill um, with a company and rep and set and rep and all of that. Um, so they're a cool company. They've done a lot of cool things. Um, but obviously they are not able to do things right now. So instead they started a uh, Instagram account called Contagious Closet Dramas. And what it is, is they are having playwrights write closet dramas, i.e. a play meant to be read, that must be in five Instagram swipes or less, um, not including a title page. So you get a title page, and then you get five additional images in your Instagram post to create a play. And it can either just, it can be anything pretty much in that, uh, as long as it has, you know, narrative or not but uh, what most people have done is they are setting words over images the hugest trend that i have seen in it is animal crossing plays (laughs) which are like about animal crossing or like have images taking place in animal crossing because that's the thing that everyone's playing right now so like julia uh julian messery wrote one called a dispatch from the ether which was really fun Uh, lily houghton wrote one which was really fun about ocd and animal crossing in real life um, and so, like, I've been rather enjoying those. Um, Matt Barbeau wrote a great one called The Fittest, which is about um, basically mammals taking over from dinosaurs after dinosaurs all died outside. Um, so, And, you know, there are some that are very, very explicitly about the pandemic, and there are some that are not. 
and it's kind of based on whatever. And um, the way that they proliferate is that every writer nominates more writers and they get to write them. In fact, Matt nominated me, so I have to write mine. <laughs> I'm very behind. Um, but it's on an Instagram account, which is just contagious underscore closet underscore dramas. And they so they have about 125 of them that they've reposted from people's accounts, but people are just posting them on their main accounts too. So you can go to the hashtag contagious closet dramas uh, to see sort of everything as it comes out. Um, and that's just a fun little way to pass time. And, and, you know, everyone has a title page. So you can sort of like scroll through and be like, oh, I know that player, right? I'll read their thing. That sounds so cute. Ben, when are you coming to my island, by the way? Wait, oh, oh, I do have to come to your island. Yeah. Are we, we're, we, we're friends, right? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, okay. This is like the very first like video game console that I've owned in like decades. Like I haven't played a video game since last time I played Animal Crossing when it was out on GameCube, I think. Um, oh, like the original yeah, one? Yeah, that was like the last time I played a video oh, yeah. game. And like even before I saw, I mean, even before we knew that this was happening, my friends were like, oh, this game Animal Crossing is coming out for the Switch. And I was like, I fucking love Animal Crossing when I was, wait, was like 14 or something, I think. And literally right now, like, my days are being spent like I did when I was 14. It's, like, basically, like, napping, snacking, and playing Animal Crossing until, like, 5 in the morning, which is embarrassing, but also so soothing. It's so... I This is my first Animal Crossing. Well, I guess I played, uh, I played the iOS game, and that sort of whetted my appetite for Animal Crossing, and now uh, this is my first, like, real one. And I, I thought I wouldn't like it, and I fucking love it. <laughs> it is so good. Like, when I was telling my friend Yara... Um, sorry, this has nothing to do with theater or anything. Uh, so my friend the other day, uh, the very first time I had it, like I named my very first character Porkchop. And he was like, you're like a prophet because Porkchop was historically the very first queen that was eliminated from RuPaul's Drag Race, like many, many years Ooh. after that. So yeah, maybe I was connected to RuPaul like a decade before. It's good stuff. <laughs> I know, right? Okay, so my first recommendation for something that's streaming is a show that was supposed to come to New York this spring for Brits Off-Broadway. Uh, it's called It's True, It's True, It's True by Breach Theatre, a British um, fringe company. Um, they were you know, scheduled to come over in the spring, and of course, that's not happening now. Um, but they had actually filmed this production for British television, and so they're now putting it online for 30 days starting at the end of March, so through the end of April on YouTube. Um, you can see this production. And it's kind of a, it's three actors who rotate roles, change roles within the midst of the show, um, kind of a fractured narrative about the uh, trial where the artist Artemisia Gentileschi accuses another painter of raping her. And um, this was a, you know, it's a true story. She's a painter from the late 1500s, uh, early 1600s. The court process happened in 1611. So you can imagine it was, you know, that kind of justice in those days. Um, and actually her father brought the lawsuit because he wanted this painter to marry his daughter. The rapist should marry his daughter because obviously like, um, you know, her honor needs to be saved. So this is, I mean, it's a crazy historical reference point, but true. And Janaliski, she's, I mean, she's a painter who, you know, sort of, I mean, obviously a young woman painter in the 1600s, not that common. Um, her father was a painter. She learned in his studio. Uh, she was kind of lost to history for a while. And then um, kind of feminist art, historian, art historians found her again um, and kind of revived her work. And actually, there was supposed to be a big show of hers happening also this spring. Um, 
and that's obviously not happening right now. But uh, so this is an opportunity to see that. Um, and it's an interesting fringe company um, that's done a lot of um, different work. And I, you know, I just think it was a story like she's a character of history that I think a lot of people don't know about and really fascinating. And I ended up writing up my like art history paper in high school about her. So it's sort of thrilling to see her come alive again um, and getting to see sort of another shade of her very sort of complicated history. And so, so they are, they're streaming it. Are they just performing it in the theater? Well, because it was filmed for television, I think it was performed within a TV studio. And like, so they, they, I mean, they performed the piece, but it was also multi-camera angles. Like it's actually kind of a really nice recording of it and not just like a single camera shot of them doing this in the, you know, I saw it in Edinburgh in a, you know, uh, under a bridge tunnel kind of thing. So they've got this in the can already. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it had been, yeah, it had aired on British television. And so this is like an opportunity that they're releasing it temporarily online for people to be able to see it. So although it was recently his birthday, Sir Andrew Lloyd Webber is giving all of us a present. Because uh, after all of this started happening, he decided that he was going to team up with Universal. Now it sounds like I'm doing like advertising for cats, <laughs> which I have not seen after I saw the movie theater twice. So anyway, he teamed up with Universal to set up a new uh, YouTube channel called The Show Must Go On, where basically they stream his musicals for 48 hours, starting every Friday. And they started uh, this. I've lost like all sense of like time and space by now. But they started Friday, so like two days ago, with Joseph and the Amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat. And appropriately, on Good Friday, they're going to show Jesus Christ Superstar, but not the uh, John Legend uh, one. Wait, it was John Legend, right? Uh, yeah, not the John Legend one from a couple of years ago that NBC had, but a 2012 recording with uh, Ben Forster as Jesus, Tim Minchin as Judas. And I'm really going to watch this because Sporty Spice plays Mary Magdalene, and I am dying to hear her sing those songs. Like, now I'm, like, dreaming of, like, a Jesus Christ Superstar version with all the Spice Girls, not only Sporty. <laughs> and they haven't really announced what other musicals are going to be doing every um, every Friday after Good Friday. But one of the things that I'm wondering a lot when all of this is happening is, like, why are they doing, like, limited showings of things? Like, you obviously have the recording. Just, like, leave it up there forever. Um, I don't know. Just something to think about, I guess. Or even leave it up there longer for all of us, you know, while we're still in these conditions. Yeah, or sell us, like, some stuff. Like, when, (laughs) you know, like, all those, like, PBS things that uh, Lincoln Center shoots, like, South Pacific, and, like, lighting the piazza and all those things. Like, I want them. I want them to to have, like, a Kelly O'Hara, like, digital box set or something like that. Right, like, why do you have to, like, we can't go to the Lincoln Center Performing Arts Library to go, like, watch the pro shot of the things that they decided to shoot in the, like, tiny room that they let you do that in. So wouldn't it be great if they just unlocked them all forever? Yeah, or, like, unlock the the fancy ones that they shoot a show. Like, one of my friends, for instance, uh, got a copy of, uh, when they did The King and I in London, they showed it on TV. So somehow, I guess that someone, I don't know how technology works, like, this is all very puzzling to me. But someone must have, like, ripped or DVR'd. I don't know how things work. The the recording. So, like, people in England got a chance to, like, at least record. I wonder if they used, like, VHS tapes, like the old days. So, like, record Kelly O'Hara and uh, King Wananabe doing the Kenai. And we don't have that. And I want that. 
Well, it's on Broadway HD, actually, um, that recording, because it was a PBS. I saw it on PBS, I mean, a couple months ago. And then I, when I looked up to see what was available on Broadway HD, that's actually one of the things you can see. And if you're a TDF member, they're now offering a free month of access to Broadway HD if you've never been a Broadway HD member before. So for people out there who are TDF members, that's, you know, an option. You might have to sold them a subscription call. <laughs> See? <laughs> Making people happy. <laughs> I'm talking about two things, actually, but it's two things by one dispersed company with multiple factions, um, and that is the Neo-Futurists. So the New York Neo-Futurists, uh, the, you know, the folks from our neck of the woods who you can go to the Crane Theater every Saturday and uh, Friday and Saturday and see The Infinite Wrench, um, or, you know, it used to be called Too Much Light Be- Makes the Baby Go Blind, but then there was, like, weird political stuff, and they had to, uh, they do the same show, but they changed the name. Oh. Um, so, obviously, that's canceled, but at the same times every week, they are doing a podcast, um, and it is called um, The New York Neo Futurists Hit Play, a Patreon-supported podcast. Uh, it's on, Sp- they have it on Spotify, and, uh, yeah, so they're just, they're just doing that every week and figuring it out. Um in parallel, there's also the original Neo-Futurists, uh, the Neos in Chicago, and they have um, a like, direct move of the Infinite Wrench to digital, and it's called The Infinite Wrench Goes Viral. Um, and it is a Patreon-supported show um, where they give you a secret link every week, and you get to watch the show. Um, it's $3 a week, so it's actually way cheaper than actually doing it. Um, and that's great. Um, I actually haven't looked at either of them yet, but this weekend uh, or this coming weekend, um, I'm gonna check out. Uh, I'm gonna check out the Chicago one because I've never actually gotten to see them. Because like, I don't live there. <laughs> I never go there. Um, so I'm excited to see how they make it work and how that all is happening. Um, and it just feels like because what they do for that show, if you've never seen it, is they do 30 plays in 60 minutes. Um, and they're all sort of first person perspective. Um, you know, in, in, in neo-futurism, you don't play a character, you play yourself, you are yourself and you sometimes pretend to be someone and that's their whole style. And it's all weird experimental theater shit and it's really fun. And I think it's actually very, very, very conducive to streaming because it is intentionally experimental and I think the people who are in those companies are going to be some of the best artists to experiment with live streaming theater now that it's a mainstream thing that kind of has to happen. So I am looking forward to that. And I don't, I'm not looking forward to many things. So. <laughs> I mean, you do bring up a good point that this brings um, people into other cities and places and introduces them to actors and performers that they've maybe not been able to see because they aren't local. Um, which I do think is kind of one of the fun things. Of, I mean, and one of the nice opportunities of everybody being forced to go online right now. Yeah, definitely. So I guess I will talk about another um, out of town uh, theater company that has been putting some works online for a short periods of time, unfortunately. Um, but the Shabuna in Berlin um, has been doing sort of a one evening only run of certain of their productions from their archive. Uh, a lot of them are German audio only, but there are there are a handful with English subtitles um, that have been sort of professionally filmed. Um, 
And again, sort of an opportunity to see some works and some artists that you might that you know might not have toured through New York before, or if they did, maybe you missed it. For me, I ended up catching um, the Thomas Ostermeyer's production of Hamlet, starring Lars Eidinger, and then Richard III, which I had actually seen live. I had come to BAM and other places. Um, so those were streaming again for only sort of one evening. And the annoying thing is because they're kind of Berlin hours, it's like the middle of the afternoon in New York to watch. Um, but if you're home and can do so, it's, uh, you know, it's definitely an opportunity to see some really great artists. So some of their upcoming shows that they are, they're going to roll out for that evening um, are on April 11th, another Ostermeyer production, um, Yasmina Reza's play, Bella Figura, uh, which was written specifically for the Shabuna Ensemble. Um, that's playing with English subtitles that involves sort of a cheating husband, his mistress. They accidentally run over a friend's mother-in-law who then invites them to dinner. Um, you know, the huge. Um, and then on April 13th, they are doing um, a show called Beware of Pity, or also known as Impatience of the Heart, based on Stefan Zweig's book, Impatience of the Heart, uh, directed by Simon McBurney of Complicity. And that, I guess, is all about sort of the disintegration of the Austro-Hungarian Empire, the rise of anti-Semitism. They were all set in 1939, um, and that was something that actually has been touring, and so um, they'll be airing that for one evening as well. Um, so, I, I mean, I've been tuning in a couple times. You know, it has been sort of, I think it's kind of mid-afternoon, like, three, I think it's 6 o'clock Berlin time, 6 o'clock to midnight Berlin time um, is the window in which they're releasing these things. Um, but, you know, if you can tune in, it's it, it might be worth it. Hey, what happened to Yasmina Reyes's place coming over to the United States? Why'd they stop? Um, because her stuff's boring? I... <laughs> <laughs> I Sorry, I don't know. That. I only saw God of, God, God of Carnage. Was that I, which I I just so petite bourgeois bullshit. Like I don't care. It's just not my thing. Uh, but you should totally see this one by her. <laughs> I'm interested. I haven't seen one of her plays since then live. Like. No, it's a good point. I don't know. I mean, she's clearly still been writing things. And um, I mean, the, one of the one I'm talking about, I, when I was trying to research it, it's like it's been playing in all sorts of places all over the world. So, um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know why it sort of fell out of favor here or just, I don't know. It, it is hard to find information about playwrights who like aren't, whose work isn't playing like in the U.S. or like on the, like in London. I feel like I, I this is why I haven't, fucking thought about this in months or day years or whatever maybe we'll get better at it now well and i guess that's sort of one of the things that's kind of frustrating if you do enjoy world theater in any sort of way or you know theater from outside the united states um a, a lot of it doesn't tour a tremendous amount does not tour a tremendous amount only happens in the places where it's happening and or in multiple countries but you know not necessarily coming over here um and you know, so we, and what comes over here is such a tiny sliver of what work is being done in other places that I just find it, you know, I mean, it's really frustrating. Like I actually was thinking about this because I hadn't been to Berlin in about five years and I saw so much really interesting stuff there that would never have come over here. And it kind of, you know, it made me want, like I was watching these things, making me want to go back there to see more because there's no chance otherwise to see it unless companies put stuff online. And um, and I know a bunch of German theaters have been doing so, but, you know, whether it's 
you know, able to be subtitled. Although, you know, my feeling is always like watch theater without subtitles because you never know. It like can be, especially really visually driven theater can be really tremendous even without subtitles. I mean, a hallmark of good directing is that you can tell what's happening no matter what. Right. Like, I, I wonder if we're going to go back to like the same, you know, old bullshit after if we're ever allowed to leave the house again. Because like, this has shown us that all these things that we're told can't be done, can't be done. You know, like all this like fear that we're getting from all over the world, like it's making New Yorkers much less provincial in a way, because New York is a very provincial place when it comes to theater. Like there's only, you know, like shows in English basically everywhere and a couple of places to like, you know, like shows in Spanish and like a couple of shows in French, but otherwise we don't really get world theater at all. So quit the bullshit and give us all the theater. From now on. Right, or if we get it, it's for like a two-day run, and if you don't have those two days free, or you can't, you know, finagle it, you miss it, and that's you know a real tragedy. Like, there's so much I wanted to see that I didn't get to see. That's come to New York. Amen. I guess, is there a way to force demand for it now that there will be openings for it? Hmm. I mean, I think the union issues still are a big thing. I mean, that's such that's something we could talk about too, with like the fact that there still isn't a deal about live streaming work for equity actors. I wonder if there will be a demand after we're allowed to go out because I never plan on coming back to my apartment. <laughs> <laughs> I just like stay in the park forever, uh, going to the beach. But anyway, and like speaking of going out, my recommendation is for some audio plays by This Is Not a Theater Company. We actually did an episode with the artistic director Erin B a couple uh, years ago, so I'm sure. I'll, I'll send you a link, Ben, so you can, like, uh, link to that. Although right now, no one would recommend anyone is out on the subway. They, you know, people who have to be on a subway, there's three plays called Subway Plays, but this is not a theater company that take place on a 7, the N, and the L line. So if you're there and you need to, like, concentrate on, like, social distancing from the people who are around you, I hope there's someone around you, you can indulge in this... Uh, lovely plays that basically have two parts like you can either begin them like in manhattan or in your destination and this means that you get to come up with your intermission your intermission can be as long as you need it to be like if you're stressed and you have to go work in the morning you can start one of the plays and get to work have like an eight hour intermission as the world catches fire and falls apart outside and then listen to the second half on your way back home one of the things that I love the most about this place, so I've done them a couple of times, is that they are so wonderful at capturing why we love this city so much. Like, right now, I'm, like, such a sap for New York. I've been watching, like, a bunch of, like, Sex and the City and, like, clips from, like, Woody Allen movies. And I'm like, okay, if I'm ever allowed to go out, I'm going to go make out with the Empire State first thing. And, like, take the Statue of Liberty on a date or something. But anyway, this place, capture what why we love New York so much. And even if it, like, abuses us constantly and it swallows us and spit us out, um, we love living here. Otherwise, we wouldn't be here at all. And this place, for instance, have, like, uh, captured audio from uh, iconic characters, like the uh, Arepa Lady makes an appearance on a seven play, uh, on a seven line play. And, I don't know, I'm getting all, like, emotional just thinking about it, because, like, I want arepas, and I also want to go eat all the food near where you are, Nicole, although probably everything's <laughs> closed right now. Um, it is. Yeah. Mm. There's also another play for people in Staten Island, or who have to go to work in Staten Island, called Ferry Play. And it's basically the same concept, like, you get on a ferry and go to SI, or get on SI and come back to Manhattan. 
And this one might be my favorite out of all this, like, public transportation place. Because there's nothing like uh, being, you know, like, on water and, like, listening to what amounts mostly to uh, basically a ghost story. Like, you're being told things about what's going on around you and, like, the little islands and the little things you can see from if you're sitting outside on a ferry. But then there's, like, this, like, beautiful moment when you're coming back. And I feel like it's a spoiler. But obviously, like, you know, this place, you can... You're the director. Like, you can sit wherever you want. You can, like, wear whatever you want. You can go wherever you want. But if you do it the right way... No, I'm kidding. If you do it, like... If everything works, all of this place have this, like, moment where everything, like, converges. And, like, even something as stubborn as the subway and something as terrible as the MTA will help create a moment that's, like, absolutely sublime. I remember when I did fairy play there was a moment when we were coming back into manhattan and the sun was setting and like like the waves were crashing and like something in the play happened at that exact same time it's like i don't know like a maybe like a a climax in a play and i was like holy shit like is someone like spying on me how is this working so Hmm. well Uh, i'm also like really desperate to go out so this is me hoping that i get to be near water soon at some point so yeah, like fairy place and subway place. You can also listen to them at home, I guess. Just imagine you're on the subway. Like, get some like I don't know, like pet rats or something around you, and hold on to <laughs> your shower rail or something. Well, here's an idea that I I had when you were first talking about this is there are on YouTube like there's this whole like subculture of people called rail fans. And they do like extensive documentation of public transit systems worldwide. And there are specifically like railfan videos that are just like they stand at the front of like the one train and they just film out the front of it in real time for the entire length of the train. And you could watch that video and like the idea, like a lot of people will speed through them just to like see like special things in the tunnels. Like like you can see the old like 90th Street Station at one point that's like been de- like condemned. But you could do that and use those sounds and just play them in the background while you're playing this, right? You could do that technically. That actually sounds really soothing watching that video. <laughs> like just a normal day on the train ride, you know? That sounds amazing. Like, yeah. I, yeah, that's a great idea. I didn't know those things existed. I guess everything exists, right? Like, nothing's going to be new anymore. If anyone tries it, tell us. All right. So, um, the last thing I brought today um, is it was a thing that was going to happen, and then it was canceled, and now they're doing it in kind of a different way. And it is the Pipeline Festival, uh, WP Theater's uh, Pipeline Festival. And uh, that was happening, you know, like the other week through like the next couple weeks. And it's a basically every week um, a workshop version of a new play takes over WP Theater. Um, and it's a team of uh, three uh, artists, one of whom is a producer, one of whom is a director, one of whom is a playwright who are all put together in their lab. And... It's just kind of, you know, sometimes it's just a stage reading. Like they did a very, very short stage a couple of years ago. They did a very, very short, short stage reading of uh, Martina Mayoke's Queens, which eventually came to LCT. And so like that was a show that just like they needed a reading. They needed to do some of that work. And they did. Um, there are other things like I talked about. Uh, one of my favorite moments was at Two Mile Hollow, um, which was just a really 
truly wonderful. And they did, it was a, basically a full production, um, like scrappier than average, but still like fully propped, fully costumed, full production um, of Leonica Winkler's play, which is a satire of like plays at MTC. <laughs> Um, and so there's all sorts of things. Um, but what they're doing since they had to cancel the festival in total is roughly the week that the uh, shows were going to be at the festival, they are taking over WP's Instagram account and posting basically what it's been so far has been like dramaturgical materials from the show, little snippets from the show. Um, they've actually been sending out things via their email list too. Um, so you get to read like a couple pages of it and then see the designer's work and the director's work image wise to see like, Oh yes, this is what would have happened. And it's the kind of supplemental material that having gotten to see it, like this week they've been doing um, Charlie Evan Simpson's uh, Sandblasted, which was supposed to happen this week. Um, it's been the kind of supplemental material that I kind of want forever now <laughs> for everything I see. Just in case like you get to see like, ah, yes, this is the backstage version of what they're working on. So I'm just, I have this email up right now and they've got... Um, a preliminary scene sketch by um, Anna Driftmeyer, who is the uh, the scene designer. And it's this really beautiful, um, like, spiral of, like, land and forest. And it looks like there's sort of, like, lightning in the background. Um, and it would have been really visually striking to see on stage. But, hey, we get to see a sketch of it. We get to imagine it ourselves and lament for the things that, you know, I had a ticket to it. And obviously, you know, I just donated that instead. And But, hey, I get to see I get to see that. And um, I think that that's, that's something I, that I'm really grateful for as someone who really likes the Pipeline Festival and goes to every show whenever I can every other year. And um, I hope that other companies take inspiration from that and do share, hey, here's the work that our artists were creating here like we've paid them some for it and we've gotten their permission to give it to you and hey like they're great and you should hire them and this is what their work looks like and also this is some work that we did on something that didn't get to be presented but it, it is a festival and part of the purpose of it is the things in it hopefully get done later because they tend to be pretty good so that's a long way of saying I miss these shows and I miss that I'm not going to get to see them, but I'm glad that the lab itself gave them space to work on them and create them. And we get to see the, some of the fruits of it. Well, it's also interesting to think about, you know, sharing designers work who might get overshadowed by the production. You know, a lot of the supplemental materials can be an interview with the playwright or the director or an actor. And, and you know, maybe we, you know, as I do love design. I could talk about it all the time. But, I, you know, it, it's sometimes really hard, you know, to pitch design stories. Nobody wants to pay for that kind of, you know, article. Um, but to really throw a spotlight on those artists whose work, you know, might not have gotten, you know, the same attention at this moment. It's kind of great. Yeah. All of this also makes me think, for instance, and I know this is not a this is not a film podcast, so I apologize. All of this makes me think about, you know, like I'm a huge like movie nerd and I love the uh, Criterion Collection Blu-rays and DVDs because of all like the supplemental material that they come up with. One of the things that I have uh, told myself that I would do more often during this period of quarantine is that a lot of like classic movies, especially like classic Hollywood movies, also had recorded 
like radio versions. Like there's like a ver- you know, like there's like Casablanca, but there's also like a radio version of Casablanca. And often this also is true of a lot of the Hitchcock movies. Like they're obviously like abridged, but a lot of the times they got like the movie stars themselves to record the radio version. And it's kind of fun because you're like, okay, I can either like watch the movie or like listen to the like the radio play version of it, I guess. So yeah, again, like I wonder if all these things that we're getting right now, because in a weird way, we're kind of being like spoiled. I guess it's a reward for not socializing and for like going insane <laughs> at home. Uh, is getting all these like extra things. Like I, yeah, I do hope and that they're they're gonna stick around for for a while. Cool. Um, okay. Well, my last one is the series here at home. Um, from here, our art center, um, who are opening up their vault of archived videos. So they will have sort of a premiere date, and then those videos will stay available on, I guess, a Facebook page for here. Um, so you can see some of the past productions, sort of historic productions at here. So some of the upcoming ones include uh, Arias with a Twist, which was a collaboration between Joey Arias and Basil Twist, which premieres on April 15th. Um, there's Thomas Paine and Violence, which is an opera sermon by Paul Pinto, which premieres on April 8th. Uh, let's see. Um, City Council Meeting, which was a participatory work about democracy and power uh, by Aaron Landsman, which will premiere on April 22nd. Um, so they've got some puppet shows and dance theater and things like that that are available um, until the building reopens. So it's kind of nice that, you know, they had preserved these works at some point, And now um, here's an opportunity to kind of have a launch evening for them. And then the, um, you know, it's, it's, it'll be there for a period of time to which people can tune in at their own leisure. I didn't realize that you could do it at your own leisure because I missed one on Wednesday that I wanted to see, which was Looking at You, which was an opera they did uh, last year, mm-hmm. which is basically what if Sheryl Sandberg, uh, Edward Snowden Facebook, and was also like Edward Snowden's like like girlfriend, <laughs> which is super weird. And I liked it a lot. And I'm going to see it again. <laughs> yeah, it's either available for viewing until here reopens for live public performances so hopefully that means a little you know not hopefully who knows <laughs> i think we're going to be indoors for a couple more weeks i think you've got time what are all of you doing to like recreate or try to recreate like the theater going experience while you're doing all these streaming plays like do you like turn like the lights off and like shut down like the windows and close the curtains and like have like you know like you can have like your cat nicole like whisper like touch your like open unwrap candy or something like that <laughs> I mean, I'm not trying to, I mean, I wrote an essay in Exion about this. Like I'm, I'm, I, I actually have needed some time off and some time to just kind of take some space. I have a very, uh, my, my day job has actually gotten much busier and, and quite consuming. So I haven't had time for theater. Um, and also I'm not really craving a, um, sort of a, a version of it that's not theater. Um, I mean, I ended up, I did, I'm writing a piece right now about the the Thomas Ostermeyer Hamlet only because I felt like, oh my God, there's this six hour window and I have one chance to see this show that I never saw by this with this actor that I love. So I tuned in while I was trying to do my day job and it was like, you know, very fractured um, attendance experience. It wasn't, it was definitely not normal theater. Um, and I, I can't sort of look at the work as a full, you know, production that I sat and focused on. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I, I, I don't, 
I mean, I, you know, if it brings other people comfort to do so, to find a way to recreate theater in their homes, I think they should. I've been, as I sort of said, like I've been watching a lot of this um, Korean rom-com series um, and just watching it and then rewatching it. And now I'm on like my third rewatch of the same 16 episodes. So we all cope in a different way. <laughs> Amen. And like, speaking of that, like, I was going to talk about something else, but thinking about that, I'm actually going to talk about something that you recommended to me, Nicole. Oh. And it was uh, Ryan Lobos, You Have to Forgive Me, You Have to Forgive Me, You Have to Forgive Me, which I've wanted to experience ever since you told me about this, like, years ago. And because you did it, like, in person, right? Did you actually Well, I've it? actually, I didn't do that show with him. I've done a couple different shows with okay. him. So... Have you have you talked about him on a podcast before? In case we ha- we interviewed Brian, actually, or Lindsay interviewed Brian a number of years ago when he was stopping by New York with a show. Um, so that's in the Maximum Archives, and she and I saw Purge, which was his show about um, going through a face his Facebook friends and eliminating a friend in a live show. It was really fascinating. But. Okay, now I'm going to go back to listen to that interview, and so should everyone listening to this right now. Uh, so thank you, Nicole, because. That this was like I think it's like the most exciting, like the most wonderful thing that I've experienced like in the past three weeks or so. Uh, basically, Brian is a huge Sex and the City fan, and so am I. I, you know, I have been. I told myself a lot of times during all of this, like I'm finally gonna like start watching that series that I never started. Like all my friends would like start watching Succession and Watchmen. And I'm like, fuck Succession and fuck Watchmen. Every time I go on HBO uh, now, or HBO Go, or whatever you use, like I end up just going to Sex and the City. I cannot help myself. I have the DVD box set, and I either like do the discs if I'm feeling like I want to leave the couch, or I just like go to Sex and the City on the app. And I've been watching this show nonstop. Like my days right now are half Sex and the City, half Animal Crossing. So Brian came at a very, you know, at the right time, basically, like a fairy godmother, like a fairy god Sex and the City character. Uh, the show is titled after one of the most famous moments in the in the series. Uh, if you know, you know. If you don't, you should start watching Sex and the City right now. You have all the time in the world. And what happens is that Brian sends you a survey in advance. If you don't know the show, well, uh, Sarah Jessica Parker, who I was supposed to see in Plaza Suite this week, so a moment of silence for my loss right now. Um, Sarah Jessica Parker plays a sex columnist, and in every episode, as she's like typing her column, she asks a question, you know, like, uh, you know, what's the point of this, blah, 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 like a kind of existential thing. So Brian, in advance, sends you a survey with every single question that she asks on a show. And then based on that, you, if you're doing it in person, like based on that, like he creates a performance around that that ends with him, like the best doctor in the world, prescribing you a Sex and the City episode that you need to watch. And when he does it in person, he, you know, you're both in your pajamas and he gets in bed with you and you cuddle and watch this episode together. I got to do it by Skype because Brian right now is being a saint. And providing the service, per, it is a service. He's a hero right now. Uh, he's providing the service uh, for free for people, basically. And I did it uh, last week, and I think that it 
every time that I'm like feeling down and like I'm feeling like the anxiety of the quarantine is gonna like kill me, I think about that and I'm like, you know, I have something to look forward to, and or I just go back to watching Sex and the City. But Brian is such a warm performer that even though he's like he was in London, and even though we had an ocean uh, apart, it was like the warmest and like the fussiest that I felt, and not like in a corny way that would make your eyes roll, Nicole. Uh, <laughs> like, the, the fuzziest and the warmest that I felt in a very long time, like, you know, at a time when social distancing is what we're being told we have to do, I don't think I've felt closer to anyone than I did just, like, talking to this complete stranger, to this performer, uh, through my camera and microphone. And I was sitting on my couch, and he described to me what would have happened if we were uh, doing it live. And I actually ended up, like, cuddling my laptop while he was doing the same in London. And he gave me a prescription, and I ended up watching the episode that he uh, told me to watch. So, overall, it's almost like a three-hour uh, performance and like a three-hour escape from, you know, all the crazy stuff going on outside. So, thank you, Nicole. This was really wonderful. I'm so, so, so happy that I got to experience this. I'm I'm just like I'm actually tearing up because I'm so happy that you were able to connect with him. Um, I think his work is, I mean, it is you know it's weird when you say like oh you climb into bed with this stranger. He has this real sort of ethical core to his work, and he wants to make people comfortable. And he talks about that in the interview with Lindsay. And I've I've carried that with me for many many years since thinking about why his one-on-one performance or his um, sort of personal performance work is so inviting and inclusive and um, comfortable where, you know, other artists maybe, you know, choose their work to not be comfortable. Um, he works really, really hard to make you feel um, connected. And I, you know, I've seen a couple different shows that he's done and I've met him, you know, like I, I know him now sort of socially. Um, and, I don't know. I just I think he 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 works so hard at his work to bring people together in a way in which you might not think sort of performance art, you know, that's the focus of it. Um, I don't know. I just I love him. I love his work. And I'm just so glad because I felt like that was the show for you. I've never seen Sex in the City, so it's probably not the show for me. <laughs> It sounds more intimate than any show I've seen live in a long time and yeah. more connected. So it's that's amazing that it can be the same not live. And it, it makes perfect sense, too. Well, and I sort of the sort of sex survey that he sends ahead of time with all the, the, the questions, um, you know, I think it's it's about sort of opening up yourself to him and to sort of where you're at and where you're at in relationships and with the world. And so I think, I mean, the show, you know, whether you watch Sex in the City or not, it doesn't matter. Um, the idea is to sort of open yourself up to this person who with great care then sort of holds that in his hands with the great responsibility and gives you something um, that maybe you really needed in that moment, with, mm-hmm. you know, whether you were doing it live or in the recording. And I mean, that's a, just such an act of generosity and emotional investment. Um, 
I cannot recommend Brian Lobel's work enough. Yeah, par- <laughs> it sounds better than staring into Marina Abramovich's eyes. <laughs> right, right. Well, that's, you know, like there's some performance art that is, you know, and I, there's a range and obviously everybody does different things for different reasons. Um, I mean, Brian's original, like some of his earlier works, like he had testicular cancer when he was in college and so did a lot of work about performance and cancer and, and trying to sort of break away from the sort of traditional narratives of performance and cancer. Um, so he has a work called An Appreciation, which you, you know, he sort of would perform in like burlesque houses and bars and you take a shot and hold his testicle. And I mean, <laughs> it's a very, um, and then describe it. You needed to like come up with a word to describe it. And it's not sexual. Like it's, it's, I mean, again, it's a sort of this very active, like, openness and generosity and and something um <laughs> you know so it's it's not your traditional cancer narrative <laughs> uh, because one of the things is to you know if we're having you know cancer at sort of this point in his life where he's a young gay man coming into his own identity and then having this thing happen to you that's so devastating but also sort of interferes with sex and relationships and and your body and yourself and so he does a lot of work about sort of body and healing and disability and lots of different things and so i mean again i just i just think he's brilliant because it is um it works on many many levels you know on a very sort of academic interesting level um you know sort of intellectually probing but also you know with great heart yeah because you know like i don't like strangers touching me and like one of the reasons i love immersive shows and i love like that kind of thing but one of the things that I don't like about that is like when the actors like touch you, like grab you and take you places. I'm like, do not fucking hold my hand to take me to this dark room. I do not want to come with you. But again, if we're ever allowed to go out, like I want no one to hug me more than I do Brian to hug me. I mean, I think that's fair. He did a show and I'm blanking on the title that I did with him. And it was um, he had set up his childhood bedroom in the middle of this sort of big art space in a cafe And people are, and he would wear headphones and he would dance along with movie musicals. And the whole idea was that someone was supposed to join him to dance along with him. And so, you know, um, he had Fiddler, he had Muriel's Wedding, he had all sorts of different things. And the thing was, is I sat in the cafe for the whole day. I was at this arts venue for the whole day at the Edinburgh Festival. And he, you know, he pulled me up to do it for a while and we dance. And I'm very uncomfortable with dancing in general, but like dancing in front of other people, even worse. But like the whole point is you're supposed to sort of, you know, dance like nobody's watching. But watching him do this all day long, you know, a lot of times people would just sort of look over at him like, oh, weirdo, and go back to their thing. And the, it was a piece about young gay children and suicide it's about being in your room in this space you create for yourself and what people aren't looking at and aren't you know people are not paying attention and so the whole piece you know it part of the piece is me watching these audience these people in this cafe ignore him and that's actually part of the work and so he spent the whole day sweaty jumping up and down on this bed you know dancing 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 and you know you really think about how much of himself he puts into that um and what a relief it is then when people step in and join him and take some of the weight and you know again like i think his work you know withstands great intellectual rigor but also has this like beautiful beautiful heart to it those people ignore him sound like metaphors for like my parents when i was 12 and dancing to madonna in my room and they were like wait you were gay and i'm like i was fucking lip-syncing to madonna (laughs) wearing a dress made out of a towel so that's very (laughs) 
It's all part of the performance. <laughs> we did it, y'all. We did it? Yeah. We, we did it, right? Success. Back to our bunkers. Um, uh, back to, yeah, well, we're still here. <laughs> we're all in our... <laughs> Um, so here's the deal. Um, we've got this episode. Um, we're going to have another one coming out either next week or the following week uh, of the same variety. And then uh, we're also going to have one about VR uh, at some point. Uh, we're working on scheduling of that. But uh, we're excited to be back uh, at least for a little while. Um, we're going to play it by ear. And we're glad to be in your ears. Hit us up on social media. Tell us about things. Seriously. We want to know about them. And stay safe and hydrate. I feel like there's so much happening and so many theaters and artists are releasing things and putting things out there that it's almost, you know, sort of impossible to keep tracking it all. Um, so definitely if people here see something wonderful, share, because I think we're all looking for that thing that's going to make us, you know, feel good right now. And we're still going to get FOMO because there's too much. <laughs> I know. It never uh-huh. ends. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I think I think we're really we're I I think we're very invested in the theater community surviving this and coming out, you know, having done some good work and also ready to go back to the kinds of things that we want to do on stages too. Um, I hope this period will inform theater rather than just be a break from it for both the artists and the audiences. Amen. Thanks, guys. Thank you. (laughs) This was nice. Thank you so much for joining us for today's episode of the Maximu Theater and Performance Podcast. If you have questions, comments, or opinions that differ from ours, we'd love to hear from you. You can find us on Twitter at Maximu. If you enjoyed the show, please leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts, or even on Spotify now. And we have merch. You can buy coffee mugs, tote bags, and stickers with your favorite Maximu-isms on them. You can find them all on the store at Maximu.com. All proceeds go to helping the podcast improve our sound quality. Our schedule might be a bit different because of the pandemic, but we've got another episode previewing online theater soon, and another one about VR. See you again soon.